This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female. Hi, I'm Mungi. Welcome to the Everyday Ubuntu podcast. Reclaiming an Indigenous worldview is based on respect. It's based on creating a reciprocal relationship. And it's based on reclaiming, you know, a relationship-based approach to the land, the water, the earth, the sky. This week, I spoke with the wonderful Shayla Olette Stonechild. Shayla is the founder of Matriarch Movement, a nonprofit that is focused on shifting the narrative around Indigenous women. While Indigenous communities are not a monolith, Shayla spoke about the many issues affecting them that we may not be paying enough attention to, and highlighted that their basic human needs are not being met. No matter who you are, Shayla's words will resonate with you as she seeks to help people reclaim their power and stop us from losing sight of our true essence and soul's purpose. Shayla Olette Stonechild, welcome to the Everyday Ubuntu podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. I've I've literally been asking the team if we can get you on for like two months now. Um, <laughs> so I'm like very excited to have you. Yeah, thank you so much. Hi, hi. I'm glad our paths are finally connecting virtually and online right now. It's been um, quite a wild two months, so I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Well, I'm going to start by asking you the question I ask all my guests, and it's it's about our resumes and how they're obviously not a full explanation of who we are as a person. And so I'm wondering, you know, what's missing from your resume that you think people should know about you? Yeah, so I'm actually like, um, I'm very into like astrology and to like Mm. really knowing yourself. And so um, for astrologers out there, I'm a Pisces uh, sun, a Gemini moon and a Cancer rising. Um, And I'm also highly, I'm a highly sensitive person and I'm clairsentient. And so I absorb everything around me um, in regards to energy, what's not said in the room. And so I actually need a lot of time alone, even though I'm very public facing, I actually Mm -hmm. do a lot of like cleansing and purification of my own energy because I pick up so much around me in the world. And so that I guess reflects in what is needed for me to sustain the work that I do. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes that I kind of keep dear to me. (laughs) That's not really out there online. It's also like important to know that about yourself. Like, you know, a lot of people don't know that. And I think they sort of like allow themselves to get burned out because, Mm -hmm. because they think like, oh, well, like this public facing persona of mine is like everything. And then they're not aware of like what they need to recharge sort of. Exactly. And I think um, even just having these conversations and destigmatizing it um, creates, you know, the need for honoring your body and honoring your, your, the, the nourishment that your body needs. And I believe in, you know, honoring cycles and honoring mm-hmm. seasons. And I feel like for me, I know myself now and I, I know myself within the seasons. And so in summer, I'm very like externally focused, very assertive, very out there and then it comes to the winter and I'm now moving into a new uh, cycle of you know incubation and nourishment and training and learning and I'm really looking forward to that because I can feel my soul just uh, needing that nourishment right now oh I love that I love that um what do you see as your purpose work my purpose work has always been um I think for me is to feel really at home and at peace with myself and in love with myself so that I can give from that overflow and help my community. And so I feel like my purpose is to 
uh, be, to, be a catalyst to other people realizing their power and reclaiming their truth and reclaiming their voice, especially as Indigenous people. I feel like we have been historically and presently uh, suppressed throughout uh, Canadian history, throughout politics, throughout every sector of life. And so I feel like my purpose is to, if I can show another Indigenous person how powerful they are, I feel like that is my purpose in itself. And, you know, also speaking about sort of you mentioned reclaiming your voice. I know that you're a trauma-informed yoga instructor, and I'm wondering if you could kind of, you know, speak more about that and the the perspective that sort of comes with that work. Yeah, so I think um, just knowing, you know, as an Indigenous person, we are walking with historical and multi-generational trauma um, that was inflicted within our bloodlines. And so being a trauma-informed yoga instructor, I feel like, you know, I took a training, I took like a 17 or I took like, I took like a 17 hour trauma informed training. And there I was given, you know, tools to, um, to teach in a certain way through yoga. But I feel like really trauma informed is just understanding that each one of us is probably walking with some form of trauma and how can we honor that? And how can we give people that have been, um, historically suppressed their power back? So utilizing, you know, a trauma-informed approach is really giving the space and the options for people to reclaim their power. And I, and so I think even just having that concept of walking into a room with those concepts and with that lens, it changes how you interact with your students. I like this idea of reclaiming power. Yeah, and I think even the word just power is, um, it's interesting because, you know, when you look at um, people who have had power throughout history, uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, white, cisgendered, male, uh, dominant people. And so I think even just some people don't want to use the word power. And I think, you know, as an Indigenous person, it's important that we start to reclaim our power because it has been lost um, throughout history. And so even even the power dynamics that comes with you know, just language itself. Absolutely. And I feel like we're maybe in a time where we're, I don't know, possibly like redefining what power is because mm-hmm. you know, I, I think the pandemic like created such a shift in like what actually was important at the end of the day and like what is going to like survive the test of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like we're kind of in shift, like shifting what power is these days. Yeah, and I think, like, um, the last, like, 100, I don't even know how old Canada is through colonial (laughs) colonial terms, the last 153 years, you know, there's been, um, you know, the toxic patriarchy has been in power, and I feel like traditionally uh, Indigenous communities, some had, like, matriarchs at the forefront, or there was a balance of the masculine and the feminine, and so I agree, I believe there's a shift happening now where, you know, women throughout the world um, and knowing that that's also even a colonial, like what, what defines women? So I, I don't right. want to get so, yeah. so in depth with language, but I feel like there is a big shift happening within the power and like the toxic patriarchy and all this, um, all this, clo- these colonial empires and uh, ways of being are now like being destructed and dismantling because it's not, um, it's not for our health. It's not for the betterment of our world and for, our planet. And you can see that through what's happening within society right now. I mean, we have a pandemic. We also have what's happening with climate change. We have Mm -hmm. so many things happening and it's because of the harms that have been done for the last 153 years out here. 
Absolutely. And and sort of like speaking of toxic patriarchy, you, you know, definitely are on the opposite side of that. And you are the host of a podcast called Matriarch Movement. But I know that it's also a nonprofit. And so I wonder if you could share sort of the origin and the mission behind Matriarch Movement. Yeah, so I've been working with Indigenous communities ever since I was really young. Honestly, I grew up around it because my mother, uh, she owned a nonprofit called Sunworks Arts and Cultural Society. And so she was going around to First Nations communities, um, putting together like not health and wellness, but it was, it was health and wellness in a way of performing arts. So like mm-hmm. dance, modeling and acting. And so she was working with Indigenous youth. And so when I was young, I would see her um utilizing this space and working within our communities and so she allowed me you know the sight as to what's capable and so the matriarch movement uh came to be in a dream um in 2019 yeah (gasps) no dreams are very big in 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 my culture as well so I love I mean yes if I have a dream I'll wake up a big mom this happened and she's like well everyone in your dream is a part of you so which part of you is this person and I'm like oh I don't know literally I've been warned so many times about certain things like I've had precognitive dreams and I feel like, yeah, when I'm not when I'm not taking care of myself, I don't have access to the dream world as much as Ooh. I do when I'm like really in alignment. So mm-hmm. this came to me when I was really in alignment, when I had been going through like, I think two years of training now and I wasn't teaching. I, I was just focusing on myself and I was on my healing journey. And then um, I had actually asked a question because I like came through a came through a reading or something. And it was like, if you want an answer to something, ask it before you go to sleep. And so that's what I did that night. And I was like, I have this idea, but I don't know what to call it. And I had this idea of bringing, you know, wellness workshops to Indigenous communities, specifically to Indigenous women. And then I woke up at four in the morning and it was like the matriarch movement. And that's all I had. That's all I had in my dream. But then it was like just those two words, like solidified what I have been putting together and it kind of created the connections that I needed and I woke up at four in the morning with like a buzz full of energy and some some spiritual practitioners maybe it's like the kundalini awakening they call it (laughs) or like some kind of like but it was an awakening and it got me out of bed and I was wired until like 11 p.m the next day because I just like I just had so many ideas flowing through me and so that's kind of where it came and that was in um I believe 2019 And then I realized, you know, in order to create this reality, I need the support of obviously Indigenous women, which I already had a ton of support. And so I actually um, I applied for a few grants and a few uh, funding. And unfortunately, it never it never happened. But I had been hosting um, an APTN show at the time. So I actually put forth some of my own money to uh, make the first official photo and video shoot with 11 Indigenous women out on the West Coast. Yeah. And so for, and they volunteered their time. And so I actually, right now I still have, I still have these 11 interviews and it's, that's kind of what I wanted though. I wanted to, because throughout history, our stories have always been told from a colonial perspective and our stories have always been told as like, we're either missing or murdered or we're drunk or we're dead or we're dancing. We're always told in a historical lens. And so I'm like, this is not what I see represented. And I want to like shift the mainstream consciousness. And I feel like social media is a tool that gives us the tool to shift consciousness. And so I think, you know, the matriarch movement, it's a nonprofit, but really it's also an online platform and a podcast to, you know, support our voices and to share our stories the way that we want them to be shared. 
but we do do, um, we partner with other organizations to provide wellness workshops that intertwine meditation movement and medicine, which is really, um, really coming back to an indigenous worldview, coming back to our teachings that have been here since uh, before colonization. Mm. And I, you know, I totally get what you're saying about the sort of like the way that people tell stories about you and your people. Um, lately, I found that a lot of people want to do like documentaries on South Africa and, and, and my family, and it's always like white men. Mm. And mm-hmm. I was in a call last week where, there was some woman who was sort of a black woman who was helping out um, sort of on the side of my family. And she was like, I want you to sort of explain to us why you two white men like can be telling this story. Like, how are you Mm -hmm. going to navigate being in a country where you don't understand the, like the different values and the way that they go about life? Like, why should you be the ones telling the story? And I was like, Oh yes. Yeah. 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 And if you look at it, it's kind of like, it has a reflection to what's happened here in Canada of the exploitation and the extraction of our lands and our territories. Uh The same thing is happening through our stories, uh, through media. And so it's like really history repeating itself in a modern day era when it comes to like our digital timelines. It also happened to the organic timeline. So yeah, there's definitely some like parallels um, throughout history. Yeah. (laughs) And now. And, you know, sort of you being the, the storyteller here, what are what are some of the issues affecting Indigenous communities, maybe specifically girls and women, that you think people are not paying enough attention to? Yeah, there's a lot. There's there's unfortunately a lot that um, that is still existing within uh, First Nations communities. And I think it's also it it also affects other non-Indigenous people. And so I think also realizing that this is not just uh, a First Nations or an Indigenous issue. This is right. like Canadian and a global issue. And one of them is the missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls and the two-spirit crisis that's currently affecting our nations across Turtle Island. Um, they've documented like over 5,600 cases, but I know the number is a lot higher because in Canada, they'd even have a database for missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls until 2010. And I think, yeah, so it's like there, the numbers don't match up. Um, and unfortunately, and fortunately enough, like Indigenous communities have taken it into their own hands and they've started to, you know, document, Um, and keep the data themselves and also they start to like do their own searching and and that's that's what's really unfortunate too is um I know that you know if a white woman goes missing you'll see it across the news but as soon as it happens yeah and as soon as it happens to one of us it's like oh it's it's almost feels like it's an everyday occurrence because it is and you don't have to look very far to see that, you know, genocide is not a thing of a past. It's, um, it's, it's ongoing and it's, it's, I think in a, it's kind of thriving, um, to a point. And we also see that through the lack of clean drinking water here in Canada. I know there's, I believe the last time I checked, there was 51 communities without access to clean drinking water. Um, and so really indigenous people are just asking for our basic human needs to be met. And it's the year 2021. And I know Canada can be seen, you know, helping out globally. And it's like, okay, well, when are we going to actually take a look at what's happening in our own backyard? <laughs> because there's a lot of stuff that, um, that needs to be fixed. And I think, you know, before we can see reconciliation take place, we need the healing 
but we also need um, the truth to be shown. And so that's finally being shown um, in June with the unmarked mass graves. I think a lot of, of Indigenous children being found. I think a lot of Canadians are now coming to the terms of the reality is that we have always known as Indigenous people and that this country has been built upon the lives of Indigenous people and children. Yeah, I I did an interview, a, I think a few months ago, with um, a Black Canadian woman who basically said she was like, whoever does Canada's like PR does it really well. And I was like, yeah, because the rest of the world, we're just like, oh, my God, they're just so nice. And we yeah. don't we don't like look into the actual issues that are happening there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's that's Canada thrives off of the erasure of Indigenous people and off of the lies that they tell within the education system. Like, even if you go to school, you're not really shown any of this. I feel like it's now slowly changing. But at the time, like when I went to school, I had like three pages on Indigenous people and they weren't Mm -hmm. even from like they weren't even from Canada. There were, um, there are oh, other God. indigenous. Yeah. So I was no. like, I was kind of confused. I was like, does that mean this is where I'm from? I was just like so confused as a kid. And so I think there's a lot of cognitive dissonance that happens here in Canada. And it's because, you know, if Canada started telling the true history, it would have to like the federal institution, the government would have to come to terms with the, the accountability and they don't want to come to terms with accountability because they're guilty of, genocide and apartheid and that could be taken to international courts and so that's Mm -hmm. why there's a big um, PR play happening because Canada is accountable for crimes against they've been committing crimes against humanity Mm. yeah that's that's like one of the big fears is like the the international court and then also the reparations that they would have to pay people yeah exactly and I and and it's also strange though because at the same time like um right now Canada I think is spending like 500 to 600 billion dollars fighting indigenous children and residential school survivors in court and it's like okay well why aren't you utilizing that money in you know some other way if you're for you know the 94 calls to action and the truth reconciliation report why don't you put that money towards you know our communities or to clean drinking water Oh my goodness. Well, also, you know, as I was like sort of reading about you, reading your website, um, everything you were sort of saying reminded me of Ubuntu, but I also realized that it was, it's like an indigenous sort of worldview is where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if you could talk about like what an indigenous worldview looks like and how we return to that. Yeah, so I think an Indigenous worldview has to be, you know, led um, by Indigenous people. Um, It has to be in relation to Indigenous communities. And really, that's returning back to source. It's returning back to the land. It's returning back to our languages. Uh, Reclaiming an Indigenous worldview is based on respect. It's based on creating a reciprocal relationship. And it's based on reclaiming, you know, a relationship-based approach to the land, the water, the earth, the sky, ourselves, but also to one another. And so, you know, I'm Nehiao, which translates into the four aspects of being, the four directions. And so that's the foundations within the medicine wheel. And the medicine wheel is a teaching that's really prominent across a lot of Indigenous uh, cultures and communities. And it's a circle that represents the interconnectedness of everything and everyone and on the inside of that circle is you uh yourself your highest self and then on the outside of that circle is your support system your family your bloodline on the outside of that circle is your community on the outside of that circle is globally and so working within your medicine wheel 
you as your highest self and then helping out on a global scale eventually. And so I think, you know, those teachings, um, they've been here since uh, time immemorial and Mm -hmm. they really, um, they connect us to creation and they connect our individual self to like the universal uh, consciousness, our individual consciousness to universal consciousness. And so I think, I think for us, like that's something that we can all maybe learn something from because we have just a history of so much fragmentation uh, within ourselves and then manifested within the world collectively. And even when it comes to our relationship to the land, a lot of us are disconnected because of um, colonization and capitalism. And I think a lot of the answers lie in returning to like the organic timeline and returning connection to source, one that you can't profit off of or exploit or steal. And I think that's needed for humanity's ascension at this time too. I feel like we are constantly just running on a habitual loop, expecting a different outcome without (laughs) looking at it in a new way, (laughs) right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So like there's an indigenous worldview. I also don't want to like pan indigenize, you know, Uh, Because there's over 600 nations here in Canada alone. And so we all come from a distinct um, language and values. And so there's different, there's different concepts and teachings out there, but they kind of all connect to the same thing. And that's connection to source and creator. I love that. And this is like a bit of a random question, but also when I was reading, I saw that you were, um, the first Indigenous woman to be on the cover of Yoga Journal magazine. And I think it said it was in 2021, so this year. And so at first I was like, it's just so weird that we still have these, like, firsts happening in 2021 to me. (laughs) But also, like, it's so weird that, like, we know that yoga did not originate in this, like, very white and Western world. Mm -hmm. So I was like, like, how did that make you feel? Because it's like, how, why would you be the first in 2021? Like, that is just so wild to me. Yeah, yeah, no, same. Um, When I took my training in, uh, yeah, like, 2019 or 2018, around that year, I, that was one of the first things I, I actually Googled and I went online because I was like, oh, I need to, um, a key to manifestation is to like, one of the keys for me is to find people that are doing similar things than mm-hmm. as you. And so I was looking for like, I guess, a role model or an expander in that area. And when I searched it, nothing, nothing, I don't even think nothing came up. Uh, but what I did see was other past uh, cover I guess, what would you call it? Cover girl? I don't, I don't like the word cover girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cover models. Yeah. Um, they were actually culturally appropriating a lot of indigenous um, culture. Oh. And so that was like, I don't know, being on Yoga Journal, I did it so that my story and because I wanted, you know, that space to be taken up by an right. actual indigenous person. But at the same time, you know, you do have to look at the Western um the Western side of yoga and how it has been, um, you know, capitalized off of as well. And so I think there was also some, you know, some learnings through that process itself of how can we honor, you know, my, my lineage, but also the lineage from where yoga comes from. And Mm -hmm. I want to question like more of like, how are these big, um, you know, productions giving back to the people. And so that's something that I'm really curious about too. But Yoga Journal is great to see. Um, I was actually really impressed that they put um, a lot of my thoughts onto that article because I sat down with their journalists and, 
you know, for the first little bit of the interview, I was kind of just, I was holding back a lot. And then mm-hmm. there was a thought and I was like, you know, this is the one chance where you just have maybe not one chance, but this is like a chance to just uncensor yourself. Just say what needs to be said, say the truth of your life, but also your your families and your bloodlines and of Canada. And so I just I went off. <laughs> I went off for like Good. an hour. Yeah. And I just was like, I was unfiltered, uncensored. And I was like, okay, well now it's in the journalist's hands. Like I'm 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 curious to know how she's gonna formulate this. And she actually did it in a really um powerful way. And so I was actually really um I felt supported in the outcome. And sometimes as as I'm sure you can also relate to is sometimes it's hard to feel supported in these positions mm-hmm. that were put in. And so it was good to see. And it was good to see the outcome too. There was like so many younger Indigenous um, people that were inspired by that. And it showed that we can exist within these colonial spaces. Um, And so that was, yeah, it was really cool to see that manifestation is not just a word. It's an actual, like, (laughs) you can make your dreams a reality, you know? Well, I'm glad to hear that, you know, she sort of put the words down the right way. Because, I mean, yes, once you've said all you need to say and you have it out there, like, you know, I think you have to get it out of your body. And so there is like sort of like the reward that comes with that. But like to do that nonstop and like never feel sort of supported is also exhausting. So I'm glad that, that, you know, that there was something that was sort of given back there. Yeah, yeah. And her name's Lindsay. I wanna I, I gotta get better at Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get better at names. Yeah, yeah. Her name's Lindsay. She's great. And you know, you okay, you mentioned like youth, and I was gonna ask you if you had like a piece of advice you wanted to share with some like indigenous youth in Canada. Um mm. yeah, like you know, it's it's a weird time everywhere. So if there's something you'd wanna share with people. Yeah, I think it's, I think um, knowing that it's a weird time and like really being gentle with your spirit and allowing yourself to not always have to be, you know, on or seeking or, you know, constantly, you know, establishing yourself out in the world. I believe, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, um, honoring the cycles within your life, Mm -hmm. but also honoring that, you know, when you're the first one to do something in your family, it's going to feel really intimidating and it's going to feel really like nerve-wracking because you haven't seen it been done before and so I think sometimes when we don't see it we can like start to disbelieve our own selves and so yeah yeah, so I would just say like stay committed and realize that we were never given the tools or the lens to even know what is capable out there. And so don't be afraid to imagine bigger than you have ever before, because we have always been living in a state of survival and we now need to shift into a state of creation and you're probably going to be the first one to do that. So just know that you're like, even though you may feel alone, you are actually divinely supported and guided throughout your life. And that's through calling upon your ancestors that are healthy, calling upon your ancestors in a good way, calling upon your guides for signs, synchronicities and symbols to come through your dreams, through the people that you meet, through the opportunities that you seek. And when you speak things into existence, when you create a relationship with the other realms, it will actually come and return to yourself. And so I feel like as much as I, I do my work, you know, as Shayla, it's, it's a lot more, it's bigger than just Shayla. And so just know that your, your goal and what you inspire to do is also bigger than just you. And you have the support of like the past, present, future simultaneously. 
Oh my God, that wasn't even directed at me, but like, I'm taking that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, and, and that's, that's the effects of, you know, it's, I bring up colonization so much, but that's the effects. It's like, they, they want us to believe that we are separate and we're fragmented and to focus on our individual success and our individual self. Mm-hmm. And we need to get out of that, like that way of thinking, because it, we're connected to it's like it's metaphysics and it's um science and spirituality are now catching up to what indigenous people have always known and that our external reality is a reflection of our internal world and we were giving these ceremonies and these practices and these languages for a reason and we have we have a set of tools we have everything that we need for our ascension within our own bloodline and so to know that i just feel like wow Indigenous people are so powerful. No yeah. wonder they wanted to try to wipe us out because we knew the natural laws of the universe. One that can't, one that can't be stolen or recreated or or exploited. And so I think just knowing that you have like all the gifts <laughs> and the tools, mm-hmm. um, it, it it really helps during like uh, darker times. And also just like to honor the darker times too, and to honor um, the cycles. And to honor, you know, the polarity of life itself. Wow. Thank you for that. Like, literally, I know you weren't even directing that at me, but like, <laughs> I 100% am taking that on board. Um, and you may have like partially answered this in this last question, but I also wonder like, what sort of keeps you going in difficult moments and like tough times? Yeah. So, um, to be honest, I, uh, the last year or so I've actually been working a lot with plant medicine. And so I work with, uh, flower essence. I work with, um, I work with herbs and I work with plant medicine. And so I find, you know, in times where I feel overwhelmed, I resort Mm -hmm. back to, you know, my tools, um, my ceremonies, but also to the earth and to the plants and to the nutrients and to like life source itself. Um, and so that's something that I have to remind myself every day too. And I think, you know, not getting caught up on the long-term vision and just taking it day by day is also essential, especially right now. Yeah. Yeah. And who are the people who have inspired you? Like, you know, do you have maybe some indigenous role models that you could share that that the rest of us could also be looking to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's so many um, great and inspiring Indigenous people doing great things in the world right now. Um, this one girl I'm actually inspired by right now, she is an Indigenous yoga instructor as well. She actually posted a video on, um, it was a few months ago, but she was intertwining her language with yoga. Oh, and. Wow. Yeah, so she was actually speaking her language while teaching yoga. And it was like a fusion of these two worlds together. And I was like, wow, this this girl seems like, this woman seems so rooted. And her name is Amanda Thompson. And so I actually just messaged her this morning. That's why she's like fresh in my mind. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm inspired by that, that whole concept. And also Jessica um, Bowdwin, Bowdwin. I don't know if I'm saying it right. She's also... Um, forming a native women's yoga initiative and she's doing the same thing of bringing you know our practices and intertwining it with yoga philosophy and the language but there's also a lot of people on the ground doing the work in different ways Uh, Mm -hmm. one of my friends Mumala Kwak who is who was the MP for Nunavut 
Uh, she's Inuit and she has been constantly using her voice within governance, within the federal institution, speaking truth to power. Same with Jody Wilson-Raybould. And so these Indigenous women that, you know, at times are feeling so alone probably yeah. in their careers and literally going on into the House of Commons, the house that has harmed our people and still speaking truth to power. I'm like, that. That's what gets me up in the morning is, you know, realizing that there's Indigenous women throughout Turtle Island that are really um, standing in their power and using their voice in new ways. And I think that shakes the foundation of what Canada has been built upon is just our existence and when we utilize our gifts in these ways. Well, thank God for these women. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) There's so many. There's so many. I could go on and on. And what is your greatest fear for humanity? Um, I think the, my greatest fear for humanity is that we lose sight of our true essence and our soul's purpose. Um, and I think in return that um, we lose sight of what it means to be alive. I think right now there's a lot of people that are looking outside themselves for answers. And I think a lot of people don't even have access to their basic needs. So how can you really thrive in a world that doesn't even meet your needs? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I guess my greatest fear is that we lose sight of humanity and we, we lose sight of our connection to one another. And then what's your greatest hope? That we reclaim that connection to <laughs> each other and reclaim our connection to ourselves and to this earth. I love that. Well, Shayla, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was like so lovely to speak with you. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, hi. I hope you enjoyed this conversation today. And don't forget to hit subscribe and give the show a rating and review wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Follow me at mungi.ingomane on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you and get your feedback on the show. I'll be back in a week with a new episode. Thank you for listening to Everyday Ubuntu. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Marketing and digital growth, Kayla Gillis. And partnerships, Natalie Hope.